Okay, good morning, everyone. Hope you guys are doing well. Thank you for tuning in or listening, uh, regardless of which platform you're watching or listening on. And we are just going to jump right into it. Now, we have quite a few things here to cover, so I'm just going to be brazenly going through it all and then giving my input on certain things I feel are very important. Now, WikiLeaks, as of late last night, early this morning, dropped more Clinton emails, but Apparently, some are new, some are not. Some stuff has to do with Steve Jobs' death and, and apparently some proof that Epstein is still alive or something like this. As of yet, there's been nothing revealed. Um, some people are saying that some of the documents that have been quote-unquote leaked by WikiLeaks are duplicates, that, so they've already been leaked before. It's hard to say, and um, it's really difficult unless you literally sift through each email one by one and match it up with the other tens of thousands of emails that were leaked before. So in terms of any updates on that, I will let you guys know day by day if there's anything prominent or anything of any kind of significance. But as of right now, that's all we can really speculate on. This is a pretty new release, and we don't know for sure whether or not this is the uh, this is the case. Now, moving on, uh, Attorney General William Barr is uh, has resigned, I guess, I don't know, I guess he was fired, resigned, whatever. Trump announced this with a formal letter on Twitter pretty much at the same time as the Electoral College confirmed Joe Biden's presidency and his nomination. Now, what's interesting about that is it's very simple to understand. Regardless if you like Trump or not, the guy seems to understand marketing to a pretty decent extent. And so when you take a step back and you look at it, it's just basic distraction. Now, yes, the attorney general, William Barr, who Trump's been close with for so long, is is gone or he's leaving after Christmas. But at the same time, this announcement was made purposefully to distract from the Electoral College confirmation of uh, of Biden. Now, again, whether you agree with that decision or not, whether you hear what's uh, what's been going on the stories out there as it pertains to Electoral College confirmation meetings where certain Republicans weren't allowed in, and there's videos circulating online about that, that's entirely up for you guys to interpret because the thing is, is that when there's so much distortion around it, I myself have an issue trying to sift through all of it, and the mainstream media doesn't even cover it. So I'm not saying we should rely on the mainstream media. I think uh, citizen journalism, especially nowadays, is becoming more and more important and prominent, particularly because they report and film things and record things that the mainstream media wouldn't unless it was otherwise brought to their attention. So don't kid yourself. The mainstream media has all of this knowledge and information. They have teams and teams of researchers all around the world. They're not naive. They just filter through the stuff that they're, I guess, not allowed to speak about or that doesn't really fit the narrative of what they're trying to push. And I'm not just talking about CNN. I know that's the probably the easiest example to give, but I'm talking about all the news stations, whether it's leaning one way or the other. So at that point, it's, it's, it's regard, regardless, it's still, it is what it is, right? The next thing is that Pornhub has been slowly but surely uh, deleting certain videos pertaining or even slightly implying or associating uh, with pedophilia. Now, a lot of people might say, okay, what, what's the, the big deal about that? Well, Pornhub's been in the limelight recently because some of their videos allegedly support or produce videos that showcase child pornography and underage girls being uh, raped and molested and things like this as a form of sexual pleasure. Now, as to how far that goes on the website, I don't know. I didn't bother to research it myself, um, especially with this morning's episode. There's so much more to cover, but I just thought it'd be something I'd bring up to you guys. The next thing is that 
the solar winds headquarters in texas is being investigated specifically the president and vice president of the solar winds company because they dumped millions of dollars worth of shares they sold of their own company just days and or weeks prior to this whole hacking thing happening now what i want to clarify here is that the solar wind system also controls a large percentage of the Dominion voting machines. Now, I'm not trying to go in a direction that would imply there was some massive fraud because that's all the news talks about anyway. So I'm not really going to touch on that in this subtopic here. But what I'm trying to say is that when you take a look, regardless of who hacked the U.S. Treasury and all of Google services and all that stuff, they say on a scale of one to ten, cybersecurity officials have said and former ones, independent ones that have no alliance with or allegiance to the United States government have said this was an extremely powerful and sophisticated hack. Now, ironically, the mainstream media is not really talking about it, although it does fit their narrative of Russian hackers, whether or not it's Russia, guys, we'll never know. If the intelligence community keeps lying to us when it benefits their narrative or benefits some type of cover up for them. At the end of the day, we can only guess as to how serious it is as it, as it pertains to national security or if they're just using that sentence and that line as a cover to push a certain narrative. And that's what we talk about on the show all the time. And so we got to weigh all the options and see what's the most logical option from the standpoint of someone who's in the intelligence community calling the shots and saying, OK, this is what should be released. This is not what should be released um, to the public and all that. But apparently it was an extremely powerful attack. And it just so happened to be around the same time that the vaccines are being rolled out in the West and the same time as uh, the Electoral College votes being confirmed. So a lot of distractions going on. Now, I understand the intelligence communities have cybersecurity teams on guard 24-7, maintaining the defense systems of the U.S. Treasury, Treasury and all that. But clearly, this was a very premeditated attack. Which country? Look, I don't want to say Russia for certain, because if I can't confirm it, I'm not going off of CNN's word. No offense to them. It's as simple as that, right? You can be a, a very liberal person or a very conservative one. I think it's very safe to say nowadays the trust of CNN and those guys have gone downhill quite substantially. Now, the next thing here I want to talk about, this is the interesting part, and this has to do with the Chinese Communist Party. So yesterday, I noticed something, and I wasn't the one to, to, to point this out. There are a handful of people all over the internet, whether it was Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, you name it, that pretty much found that ever since this Chinese Communist Party's, I guess we could call it spy list, leaked, essentially showing all the branches and influence they have. Now, maybe not all of it, but a large extent of it. And so ever since those names leaked, flights from Australia and North America, so Canada, the US, Australia, and a couple other countries quadrupled overnight. And you can check the records too. Now, one can argue, yes, fine, okay, maybe Australia doesn't have any cases and the flights there tripled because things are finally going back to normal around the rest of the world very, very slowly because of the deployment of the vaccine. We can argue that. So I'm not naive to that perspective as well. But at the same time, it seems quite coincidental that a bunch of flights from Australia, North America, and a couple other countries quadruple, particularly the flights going to China. So, look, at the same time, we can argue there may not be a conspiracy here, but at the same time, there may not be any coincidences here either. And the vaccine, I don't believe, is being rolled out fast enough in order for everyone to just suddenly hop on a plane last night immediately or the night prior. 
It just tells me that these spies are heading back or these ambassadors are heading back into China for safe haven now that they've been exposed. Very, very simple. Not, not that complicated. Just basic methodology and methods and strategy, right? I mean, if you were a spy and your name got out and your personal information got out and you were a spy, what would you do? First thing you'd want to do is get back to your home country as quickly as possible. I mean, it it doesn't take a genius to figure that one out, right? The next thing here is that the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, again, had a consulate or I guess a, a, a post in um, a Chinese consulate in Texas that they were saying was for their ambassadors and all that stuff, but... It was really a spy haven. Now, this went on under the, I don't know about the Bush administration. It went on under the Obama administration. But the fact that they were able to house spies there so easily is a little bit scary. But this is the problem I wanted to speak about. It interferes directly with democracy. And I guess we could call it capitalism, so to speak. And what do I mean by that? What I mean is that it's very difficult to have a country that is extremely protected or trying to be protected in, in every way, physically, cyber defense, all that stuff economically, while at the same time encouraging global trade and encouraging other foreign people to come into the country. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't come to the country. I think immigration is fantastic in a lot of ways. But I think at the same time, it's hard to draw the line, which is why there's so many defense agencies, I would imagine, like the CIA, the DIA, the NSA, because when you have a country that supports freedom, well, we can argue that, but you know what I mean, that on the front end supports freedom and then lets all these people in. You don't know who's a spy and who's not. And so it's hard to decipher. Maybe some spies are purposefully let in so the, the CIA and the, the government can, the United States government can see what's going on and what they're doing. But this Houston ambassador consulate, I mean, look, guys, we don't know when the intelligence people pick up this information. Clearly, it's months, if not years before the public finds out. So at the end of the day, I would like to think that they strategically let these spies continue on just to see what they were up to. I, I don't know. Maybe those spies knew they were being watched and so they were purposefully, I guess we could say, altering their movements intellectually, strategically, and physically so that they could deceive the United States surveillance agencies and all that and the uh, spy agencies. But who knows? At that point, it's a chess game within a chess game over and over and over. It's just layer on layer of just political sabotage and in many cases, literal sabotage and, and coup d'etats and, and all that stuff, right? The next thing I want to talk about here is that, excuse me, another strain, another variant strain of COVID has been found particularly in the south of the UK, in the south of, um, of, of the United Kingdom. Now, what's interesting here is it now begs the question, does that make a lot of these vaccines that are coming out, assuming it's legitimate, let's just assume that for a second, does that make a lot of it obsolete? Because it's a separate strain. So now does that mean, I don't know the science the way these doctors do allegedly. So does that mean that now another vaccine is needed for another strain? I mean, I've heard stories before, not just from the UK, but from other places of the world where cases are popping up of variant strains of flus. There was even a proposal that a lot of the virus that hit in New York was from that of Italy, which was a stronger strain than that of the rest of the world. And that's just a theory, and that's just based on general contact tracing, tracing or so they say. But it's very difficult to, to, uh, to figure it out unless we're on the ground ourselves, and that's the main issue. The next thing, and this is where it gets uh, pretty interesting, where the WHO chief... 
the uh, World Health Organization chief, I don't remember his name off the top of my head, is being accused of aiding genocide in Ethiopia. Okay, this is probably the most important topic I wanted to talk about in today's episode. So one of the most important things I find to be the case here is that when we take a step back and we look at the fact that these people have been accused, honestly, guys, with no proof in the past of genocide and trying to manipulate the new world order and uh, pushing their narrative, everybody laughs. And I'll give a perfect example. So if we take a look at say, and I think I've used this example before, but I use it because I've had a lot of friends and family that actually uh, laughed in my face, and I'm sure you guys can relate, where I said, I believe it was a couple years ago, when the Epstein thing was slowly coming out before he killed himself, the whole thing of Bill Clinton being on Epstein's plane 26 times or whatever the case was, I told this to family and friends, not, you know, not pungently but I didn't persist but I brought it up and they would laugh at me and say no you're crazy and this and that and then all of a sudden all these records come out and it turns out to be real so my point here is that it's gone to the point guys where no matter how high up how high a certain position is it can always be corrupted this guy the head of the WHO or at the very least he's the face of the the WHO every time the WHO makes a freaking announcement this guy's face is on the camera that's why his face looks so familiar so many of you might not know his name but if you see his face which I'll probably put up on the screen next to me if I haven't already you'll go holy shit this guy's accused of helping uh, push genocide in Ethiopia genocide is mass murder this is nothing new why won't the mainstream media report it? Again, it's been said before, particularly by individuals such as Melissa Chen, if you guys haven't heard of her, I, su- I suggest you, you check her out, who has said on many different occasions that putting the virus aside, putting COVID aside, for some odd reason, the Chinese Communist Party has deep roots and influence in the WHO, even though they give substantially less um, amounts of money. And so whether or not Trump knew about this on the back end and he just didn't explain it publicly for national security reasons or intelligence reasons, or he just took a random guess, I'm not going to lie. Assuming this, what this woman, Melissa Chen, is saying and what we're seeing now with the WHO director being accused of these things, Trump was right in this regard, whether you like him or not, whether you freaking despise him or whether you absolutely love him. We have to give credit where credit is due. It's as simple as that. And he was right. Whether Trump just took a guess out of thin air about when he said, how come China gives 30 million and the U.S. gives way more and they still favor China, whether he's going off of facts or whether he's just taking a random guess, he ended up being right. And I'm not trying to say that that applies to everything, but we have to call it where it's it's. um. We have to call truthful and honesty where it's called and where it's respected to be called. It's as simple as that. We have to give credit where credit's due. The next thing is that Trump's attorney, Lynn Wood, one of Trump's many attorneys, hinted that Epstein is alive through a tweet and people are going nuts about it. Now, again, it might just be to circulate some type or generate some type of audience or some type of attention to Trump to the Trump campaign. I mean, it could be a marketing ploy. Why would his personal lawyer go on Twitter to tweet about it? But again, at the same time, I've talked about psychological warfare and different aspects of asymmetrical psychological warfare all the time. 
So maybe he's alive. Maybe this is one way of hinting at that fact. I don't know why they would drop seed this information through one of Trump's lawyers if this if this is the case. But again, you might say, Dave, what you're extrapolating right now is crazy or it might not be. But at the end of the day, we got to consider both perspectives or all angles, rather, regardless of how insane they sound. It's as simple as that. So that might be the case. There's no other evidence to support that. It was just a tweet that was put out in the last handful of hours. And so uh, the Internet's going a little bit rampant about that. Now, the last thing I want to cover before I end off today's uh, episode here is that Twitter confirmed, Twitter the company confirmed that Trump's account can be banned from Biden's inauguration day and onward. Okay. The problem with this is that regardless of what Trump says, whether it's factual or not, I have a particular issue with the free speech side of it. Now, it's one thing if someone is directly threatening someone or they're doxing someone. And for those of you who don't know what doxing is, it essentially means that it's essentially when someone takes your personal information and puts it all over the Internet and says, this is where the person lives. This is where they this is their credit card number. This is their phone number, like all that stuff. Right. I believe people should be banned or permanently removed in those cases when there's direct physical threats of violence. But for example, when we look at the Joe Rogan podcast with Jack Dorsey, uh, the CEO of Twitter, and his lawyer Vija and uh, Tim Pool, there he pointed out. He pointed out Tim Pool pointed out a lot of fantastic things, which is that they keep talking about they're suspending and banning a lot of people based on context. But when the context suits their narrative, which is the more liberal leaning narrative, it doesn't get removed. Liberals have said all the time, and I'm not trying to label them as, you know, those people. I support both sides of the the perspective here, of the political perspective. But at the same time, when you have people saying and giving death threats, and nothing happens to the ones that are more left-leaning, which there's nothing wrong with, but, you know. And then the people that are right-leaning or more conservative-leaning make one tweet in the same fashion and same manner, and they get banned instantly. Clearly, there's a bias. Everyone knows this. That's why a lot of people are moving to parlor. So I think Twitter making this statement doesn't mean that they're going to ban Trump after Biden's inauguration day. But what they're trying to say is that it makes things a lot easier. And I'm sure Twitter would get less resistance from, obviously, an administration that's no longer in power. Right. So. Excuse me. Um, I'd like you guys to let me know what you think. There's a lot going on in the world right now. I know things are um, are all over the place, so to speak. I know a lot of people are being forced to go back into lockdown. So wherever you are in the world, I thank you so much for watching or listening. However you get this uh, this podcast, whether it's through YouTube or the website or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, I greatly appreciate it. And we will catch you guys tomorrow morning. Thank you.